Welcome to Agency for Agents, a podcast for real estate team leaders and independent brokerage owners looking to maximize profits, effectiveness, and gain freedom for their team and business. Your hosts, Christine Andreasen and Aaron Hendon, have been running one of the most successful real estate teams in the Seattle area for more than eight years. They know building a winning team means finding ways to empower, nurture, train, and develop individual agents to discover their own power, their own agency. On the podcast, Christine and Aaron interview thought leaders in real estate and personal growth to help you impact both your performance and your teams. We know it takes a lot, and leaders and brokers that crack that code reap the rewards of success greater than any they could ever achieve on their own. All right. Today, we have Dan Lazar. He is a serial entrepreneur living in Melbourne, Australia. He is known for successfully raising his first round investment in Shark Tank, Romania, being named 30 under 30 by Forbes and being a servant for social causes such as the education of children and providing shelter for the less fortunate inspired by his Baha'i faith. He played professional tennis until he was 18, and one of his best results was becoming the vice champion of Romania under 18. He sold his first business in 2019 and made his first million in sales through building sports facilities. He's currently the founder and CEO of HeroX.com.au, leveraging the power of predictive analytics to build a billion-dollar property development company by 2030 and helping one million people with education and shelter. It's a real pleasure to have Dan on the show. Can't wait to get to it. Yeah, thank you very much for giving me the chance to to be here. So I guess I'll start by giving you a brief background of uh, be great. What, what I've done. Yeah, before real estate, I started started two businesses and sold both of them. First one was a tennis academy. Second one was a construction of sports facilities and specifically air domes. Air domes, it's a specific structure that covers tennis and soccer fields. And even though I enjoyed doing these two businesses, I felt like I needed to do more to get closer to my dreams. Therefore, I was inspired by a friend of mine who's the, the biggest property developer in Romania. Therefore, I, I shadowed him for a few months and then I decided to, to go into property development in Australia. And the journey here was, was quite interesting. I started a property development company during COVID. Uh, if it were not due to COVID, maybe I would have started my first deal a lot faster, but I, mm-hmm. COVID probably gave me a, br- a bit of breathing room to allow myself to educate myself further about property development for another year. And uh, March 2021, I uh, we we secured the first deal. And our approach is a bit a bit different. We I, I, I would say that we have a da- data driven approach, and then I'm a bit different also in how we, we secure these properties. So we have a specific method where we analyze a lot of data points to find out what is the price for a development site. So let's say I go through all of the sales of development sites in one suburb. And then I, if my target is to develop, I don't know, five or six townhouses or depending on what product I aim to put, put on there, I then again, uh, analyze all of those, those uh, sales of townhouses in that area. And in this way, plus other data points, you can find out 
where your strategy can be more profitable. Maybe your strategy can be, if you're doing apartments, you should be in one area. If you're doing townhouses in another, in another area, if you're doing, I don't know, depending on, on your strategies, there are areas where we can make more profit by analyzing data. And this is what, what is guiding us in where we, we choose to farm for opportunities. And then, yeah, farming for opportunities, it's also be different. A lot of people buy properties on the market. I don't even look at, at what's on the market just because I try to be very aggressive in my buying price. So it decreases the risk of the deal. So then I don't care about what, what, what happens to the market just because maybe I already have a million, a million in sort of equity or just due to the buying price that I was able to, to achieve. So tell me about that for a second. So first, let's just go back for a second. How did you go from Romania to Australia? That's a little bit. Or why? It's like, right? yeah, how, how, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously in a plane, but what how part? But what made you leave Romania to get to Australia? Fifty percent is the fact that my wife is Australian, so ah. this is an important fact to to keep in mind. Yeah, and fifty percent, I guess it's due to my big dreams. I felt like. If if I were to start a, a property development somewhere, Australia would be one of the best places due to the fact that it holds the record for 20, for 27 years of non-stop growth in the world. No other country grew for 27 years their GDP. And secondly, due to the demand and immigration, the real estate market is booming. Obviously, people didn't immigrate here due to COVID, but that's, that's mm-hmm. just a, an exception. Usually, 350 to 400,000 people move in here. Um, wow. wow. All right. Good. And then talk to me about the data points that you're using. The bio, you, when we look at your bio, it's talking about predictive analytics. Is that what we're talking about? Just having a sufficient number of data points to be able to predict the return, the ROI. Talk to me about a little bit about what you're using for your data. points. Are, yeah. yeah, It's a bunch of things. So yeah, one of them is the amount of data points that you use to find out if this is a good, good area to farm for opportunities, uh, depending on our strategy. Secondly, I have a friend who has a business and basically by looking at roughly 50 data points about the area and 50 data points about the property specifically, he's able to get a good idea if that's an area where the property prices will grow. And this is also important for me as I'm always retaining stock in whatever we develop. So I'll give you some examples of the data points that we're looking at. For example, uh, if it's about the area, how close is it to lifestyle elements? Just because that improves the quality of the life that people are living there. And specifically, another thing that we do, we try to only develop next to parks, rivers, and ocean. So this is another little thing that we do just because I feel like I would love to live in those places. Therefore, I feel more aligned and, and passionate about developing them. And secondly, it's... Um, if a crisis comes, I feel like those those areas will be a lot less affected than any, any other areas. If you're next to the train lines, then you'll have to take a bigger hit on the price. Yeah. And and I guess last last but not least in this data direction, we also have a way in which we we leverage data and web script data in order to find out from a lot of different websites what are the addresses that already have a, some sort of pre-approval for development. So usually the process in Australia, you buy a property, you get it approved for a year. And then it takes you another year to develop it. We have a, a special way in which we find these addresses. So we, we only target and farm the addresses that already have a pre-approval in place. This is something that is, I think it's impossible if you to do it, if you target on the market, if you target off the market, it's also very hard. I don't know anybody else that is doing it. But and when you say they're, they're pre-approved for development, meaning 
uh, ordinance wise or the property itself has pulled permits for something and not followed through? The property has a valid permit and usually 50% of them, maybe they're not even for sale because it's just another developer who is looking to sell or the owner just put place the permits in place. So it increases his chance of getting a, a higher price or uh, maybe he was about to develop, but he didn't have the money or there are other elements. So I met somebody that this was eight like years a, old. And- yeah, I was just, there was a, a FISBO, exactly that circumstance. He's got a permit pulled. We were just talking to Christine. We're looking for a developer to buy it from him. Uh, you want to got- move from Australia to Seattle? <laughs> Maybe for the right opportunity, you never know. I'm, I'm joking, but <laughs> now this is a much smaller deal than you'd be. You know, this is a million dollars, million dollars upright. So it's not a huge deal, but it's, but it's that kind of deal. Like someone's got permits, then a lifestyle change. And it's, it's interesting. You know, my last three guests have been developers, property developers, and everyone's bringing a different not just a different set of criteria. I mean, I know your set of criteria would be valuable to anyone, but everyone's got how they find those properties and how they find the cities to move to and like that. I just think it's fascinating to be able to look at those data points and understand the risk reward, you know, to be able to balance the risk reward on pulling the trigger on something like that. How, what other keep, I interrupted you. Wait, I have a question for you. You said something about, you want to know where it's predictable, what the trajectory is because you hold, did you say you retain stock in it? Yeah. So if we develop, I don't know, a package of units, then I always retain at least one. Oh, you keep one unit. Yeah, oh, I yeah. love it. Oh, that's fabulous. All right, good. I like it. Yeah, this also keeps me a bit grounded just because I always retain stock. I always give the development a lot of scrutiny in terms of the quality of its floor plans. Mm. I feel like there's elements that I would not consider to pay attention to unless I would personally hold stock in the development. So then it, it gives me, you know, it just aligns my interest even further with the future buyers Probably. like this because I'm Probably. you're in the game with them, right? Yeah. You have a vested yeah. interest as well. Makes really that's great. Fun. And that's the same thing with the areas themselves or areas you're interested in. It's funny because, you know, you could just pick any place and yet you've got your personal, you know, like you said, you got your heart in it. You got your personal view involved, which gives you some way of narrowing it down. Good. What else? Anything else? What else? Did, you know, how long have you been in Australia now doing this? So 2020 was the year that I relocated here. So it's it's pretty fresh. However, we yeah, we our first development, I, I, I call them nature scrapers. So first development, I call it a river scraper, is 50 meters away from the Yarra River, the main river in Melbourne. And and second one is a I call it a park scraper. So because it's virtually immersed in nature, it has a, a creek in the back, a trail on the side, and then park in front. So uh, yeah, there's two more reasons behind the, this very specific strategies. One, I've been inspired by this developer in Romania. Their name is One United Properties. They were able to scale from zero to a billion in 10 years by only developing next to nature. Mm-hmm. Due to this, you're able to go a bit higher end to spend more money because people will pay more money for a product. So this is probably 50% and 50%. It gives me the flexibility. If I don't get the right price point, I like those locations so much that I'm able to keep everything. Awesome. Great. And when you're figuring in the, I mean, I know that it's been a problem here. I assume it's been a similar problem with supply chain and material costs skyrocketing. And, you know, when you're talking about development, a lot of developers I talked to have brought the whole thing in-house. They're not, you know, they have a production, they have a, you know, advertising, they have a development, you know, builders, arm of their business. How is your business divided out and how do you deal with the figuring out your the right price to ask given the volatility in supply in materials? 
So construction-wise, I would say that we're sort of virtually integrated with the builder. Mm -hmm. um, this is an area where my wife brings a lot of value just because she's a project manager for a builder. So I usually engage her employer. Therefore, we're very, mm -hmm. very hands-on with everything that we do. And yeah, from getting twice as many quotes for each line of expenses in the in the budget to pushing people twice as more. Because usually I feel like developers and builders, sometimes they don't have their interests aligned just because for a builder, if he finishes in six months or in 12 months, usually it is not a huge difference. You can't ask for, I don't know, half a million in penalties. However, for me, it's half a million in cost, in, in a difference in cost due to the, the holding cost. So that's why being virtually integrated allows us to, to achieve a lower price and also faster timeline to, and to, to be really performant with, with, with what we do. I we recently got a got a compliment from our lender. He's been lending to developers for the last 30 years. He's never seen construction projects for townhouses that are as fast as us. So that, that was something that we, we truly feared. That's great. Very good. And how's the uh, resale market at, in Australia? What's the general, you know, how's it? Prices are very high here compared to Romania, where I'm originally from. Yeah. So they're into the millions. What we're selling now, I would say, is ranging from one to 1.25 million to, let's say, 1.5 million. But that's roughly the range. But it's a lot of pressure because a lot of people are are still excited to get into the market. And usually a good way to get into the market is through a townhouse. Mm -hmm. And I guess there is there is a lot of a lot of pressure to on the buyers and also on us because it's a bit harder and you need to negotiate a bit harder on finding these development sites. Sure. Has your market started to soften at all? You know, we were we were getting 10, 15, 20 offers last month going 30% over list. And in the last two, maybe three weeks, we've got properties going all the way through offer review date was zero offers. Today, today I, I showed a house at 1.4 yesterday and he goes, I got no offers. Not even a super, super luxury. And what 1.4 in Seattle is not super high. So it was crazy that it got no offers. Are you guys starting to see some of that? Does that worry you at all? Look, we probably have seen a, a decrease in the, 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 the number of inquiries. I'm not too concerned because I've been in part of the sales meetings. I, I've seen the level of interest that people showed. So worst case scenario, maybe I need to correct the price with, I don't know, 50000 and get them all everything's called but yeah this is something that i'm mindful of but i i show my mindfulness by being continuing to acquire and being very aggressive with the with with the prices that we offer i would rather make another hundred offers to and get everything rejected than buy at the wrong price point because i feel like yeah i think in in development specifically and maybe in, in real estate in general you make money when you buy Totally. Then I know the construction price. I know the the selling price. There is not. There can be variations, but not huge. If I bought okay. a million under market, then I know that's that's my profit. Yeah, yeah. that's what we always tell our clients here: is that the money's made on the buy. If you had, I had an investor come to me and he was insisting that he was going to sell the place cheap and at one point four, and I said that's not cheap. <laughs> you know, he said it's it's not really going to sell for more than one point two, and he was saying. I paid more than 1.2. Yeah. I was like, it's, I know you didn't come to me before you bought it. I don't know what to tell you. You love, this is this is a bad purchase on your part. I was, um, talk to us about you give back a lot. We I saw in your bio you have a lot, you have a real commitment to education and being of service and a, a service heart. Yeah, look, I, I consider myself very, very lucky from mm. Uh, yeah. Having two parents in my childhood, to being the having the chance to play 
competitive tennis for for a long time and this allowing me to develop i i think there's a, a i'm abundantly lucky in a lot of ways and due to this I, i feel like giving back is also a duty and something that i enjoy so i started slowly basically after i sold my first company i got somebody off the streets so there is a homeless person that i i just uh, pay his rent then after i sold my second company i did five water wells in burundi and now our aim is through heroex the property development company to to create a shelter from a container for a homeless person for each unit that we build and sell and secondly i will, i've also started a charity become a hero the charity the website should be ready we soon we saw that we saw that yeah 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 where we aim to help in more directions so shelter food water and to just increase the level of impact that we're able to generate through what we do and potentially what other people want to do and the, the what's different with this i'm trying to make it a very clear connection with with what you donate and what happens a lot of charities you 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 donate uh, 50 bucks and you don't know what what's Where happening so yeah. everything sh- we have clear cost okay this is a water well in burundi is 2000 euros if you donate 2000 or if you do- donate 1000 it doesn't matter then your name will be on that water well and it's very very clear what what is happening with the money that's very cool very that's great cool. Th- thanks for doing that we and then christine anything else that you wanted to ask uh no not yet okay not what i can think of So Dan, anything you got cooking that you're really excited about or anything you want to share with people listening that they might be able to use in terms of their building their own businesses, building their teams, building their businesses? And giving back to their teams, yeah. It's, I have a, I enjoy sharing, so I have a lot, a lot to share, I guess. <laughs> If we were in the direction of, I guess, uh, growing your team, it's, I think it's always important to align your interests in whatever you do. That might be in the shape of, sharing the the results that you're going after or doing whatever what I, this is the the way in which i've seen i i was able to get the most from my team if they were not just getting a wage but they were part of the result they were getting their bottom line would be higher depending on the company's bottom line as well and yeah i guess uh, getting back you, to so you share case. proceeds with your team profit exactly wow yeah. awesome that's pretty um, great And yeah, and I guess getting back to real estate is, I guess, if you want to become a real estate investor, talk with as many developers as, as you can, just because I, I think you might be able to get good opportunities through them or at least get a bit of education. I feel like I, I had to educate a lot myself. And I feel like if if people would do at least part of, of the things I tell them to do, they would be able to get ahead through property a lot faster. Yeah. Isn't that great? That's cool, man. All right. And Dan, what are you reading now? What's your... What should we be reading that we're not reading? Our favorite question. What books on your nightstand, huh? Yeah, I, I'm not a nightstand kind of guy. I listen the, to Audible just because I'm commuting yeah. a lot. I, Same. I, Same. Yeah. I try to listen to at least a book per at least a book per week. Uh, mm-hmm. Currently, I'm, I'm listening an interesting book. I, I've uh, I've seen it on a podcast, uh, the podcast of Patrick Bet David. He's a he's a guy with a big insurance company in, in the states. He was recommending No More Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah. So I never heard of it. Yeah, it's an interesting book sort of telling you how to be more aligned with yourself and make, I guess, help others in different ways. Not really, I don't know, giving up everything that you have. I don't know. If you I take really care of yourself, you're, you're in a better yeah. position to take care of everybody else. Yeah, very good. All right, good. And who wrote it? So the name of the author is Robert Glover. Glover. Okay. 
All right. Perfect. All right. Well, great. Dan, we just really appreciate your sharing what, what's happening down under, what's happening with you and your story with us and give us an opportunity to start thinking about development in that way. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for your time. Thanks for getting I up so it. early to be with us. We hope it started your day well. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. It was, it was exciting. I enjoyed the questions and uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Fabulous, we hope you again. You. Bye, Dan. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Abundant Life Podcast, brought to you by Christine and & Company and eXp Realty, the global online brokerage powered by top agents and cutting-edge technology. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Your hosts have been award-winning brokers, Christine Andreessen and Aaron Hendon. For more on them, visit christineandcompany.com.